welcome to Episode 2 of Painting the Corners, the Baseball and International Affairs Podcast. Last week on Episode 1, I introduced the concept that we would have two guests on every episode. This week, however, we only have one guest, and the reason for that is that we had an opportunity to get somebody very special, but he was up in Dutchess County, and I had to drive up there, and it would have been very difficult to get another guest in the room. So let me introduce today's guest is Jerry Weinstein. Jerry is the coach of the Israeli national baseball team. And I'm sure some of you are saying to yourself, I didn't realize they played baseball in Israel. Or does Israel has a national baseball team? Who do they play? Well, we're going to talk about those questions and others in the podcast today. Before we do that, I just want to say a word about, about Israel. We will generally talk about lots of international affairs issues, and there's certainly much we can talk about with regards to Israel, both internationally and also Israel's own domestic politics. And I hope to have guests on who can talk about those things. However, today's episode is going to be about baseball in Israel, and the reason is that's Jerry's area of expertise. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Jerry, thank you for uh, joining us today. My pleasure. So Jerry, I'm just going to begin. How did you get involved with baseball in Israel? Well, in, uh, I want to say 2005, uh, uh, a friend of mine called and, and said, would you be interested in managing the Maccabi team, the USA Maccabi team uh, that's going to Israel to compete? Uh, they'll, it's a demonstration sport. There are three teams. Uh, well, there were, At the time, there was going to be more than three teams. There was going to be a team from Mexico, a team from Canada, a team from the United States, and a team from Israel. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. I said, uh, uh, I had, at the time, I was not working in professional baseball. I was coaching at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and so I was able to get away for, as it turned out, it was like five weeks because we had a training camp in Long Island, and then we were in uh, in Israel for almost a month. So that was my first real contact with baseball in Israel. And had you, how did you think about Israel before? I mean, you know, was it a place where you interested? Was it a place where you thought baseball in Israel? I mean, how how did you thought about that before this opportunity arose? Well, I think a little of everything. I was not aware of a real organized program. They were not prominent on the global scene relative to international baseball. I had done a great deal of traveling abroad, doing clinics in, in Italy and Spain, and, and been involved with Olympic teams. And, and, and since 1969, when I took a team to a USA team to Italy to compete in the university games, I've been involved in international baseball. And, and uh, Israel never came came to the forefront in terms of conversations relative to, to the uh, uh, international baseball game. So, on that note, what is it like working in international baseball in a country that is certainly far from a top-tier baseball country? It's not a country, you're not, it's not the Dominican Republic, you know, where it's really in the blood and in the culture. How is that like? What is it like going to Israel and being the baseball guy? Well, uh, at the time, <clears throat> with the Maccabi it was just basically, I was more concerned with my USA team and, and making, uh, making sure that they were competitive in the, in the tournament, which we were, and less about baseball in Israel, even though going to Israel and participating, it was a, a promotional event for the, the game in Israel, which is, was kind of in, the in, in their infancy, even though they've been playing a, a fair number of years, uh, the development of the game is, has been very slow. What, what, do you, how, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, participants, very few participants, under a thousand participants, even today, under a thousand uh, youth participating in baseball. Uh, they have one real facility at, uh, in Jerusalem at Baptist Village, and, and uh, you know, there's just not that many people involved. And are, are the people who are involved, 
are they are they people with roots in America, or are they other Israelis who maybe came there from somewhere else and discovered baseball, you know, through other means? I think some of both. I think the the uh, the the greatest uh, density is Americans that have uh, relocated or expatriated and, and become and declared Aliyah and become. Uh, Israeli citizens that have brought the baseball over to to Israel, and um, so what are particular challenges about bringing baseball to a non-baseball country? What what are the things that that you? A friend of mine, for example, told me about just organizing a a pickup softball game in Chile about twenty thirty years ago, and and he's not a big baseball guy, but he knew, he knew baseball. He's American, and he said that the at one point a key playing the game somebody didn't tag up on a fly ball and just ran straight from third home on a fly ball without tagging up. And, and, and he tried to explain the tagging up rule and chaos ensued. It was just not a rule that people could get their heads around. And that's an extreme example. But what are some of the challenges of, I mean, it's a different, you know, somebody once said that you could take a Martian and take him to a basketball game Monday, a hockey game Tuesday, and on Wednesday to understand the lacrosse game, right? Because these are goal games, they're similar. Uh, baseball is different. Right. So what are some of the challenges around that in a country like Israel? Well, I, I, you know, I always relate back to in the early 70s, I did, I worked for the Italian Baseball Federation one summer, and I went to promote baseball, and they gave me a car, uh, an old uh, Fiat Cinquecento, and then drove around to different uh, areas and to promote baseball to kids who have never played baseball. And I remember them putting their gloves on the wrong hand and, and you know, because they're not... They're not used to throwing sports, and the same thing is probably the case in, in Israel. Uh, they're just, they don't see it. There's no models there. They don't get a chance to see baseball on television. They, there's no one to model their their movement patterns uh, after. And the game is, is so different than, than well, they, they know how to play soccer. They use their feet a lot. And, and yeah, they, basketball is very popular in, in, in Israel, but... It, Basketball and baseball are very different relative to the the speed of the game, relative to the eye hand and ball to bat type skills, and and running the bases and in an orderly fashion and things like that. Plus, there are no facilities. That that's that's the biggest thing. There there are no baseball fields. How and this might be a mix thing, but it's also you know many American kids, and this is true in any baseball loving country, they learn to play from their parents an older sibling, a grandparent, you know, it's, it's passed down through families, through the generations. In, in, a, in a country without that, you, you can't really do that. So I, I'm just curious about this. On the one hand, I used to coach Little League Baseball, and I would sometimes, you know, I, I played through high school. I was not exactly a baseball star, but I played through high school. I know how to throw the ball and hit the ball. And there'd be kids whose mechanics on throwing were just terrible, right? You know, there'd be smaller kids, and you'd have to take them aside and kind of show them how to throw. I'm not talking about pitching. I'm talking about how to throw the ball, you know, from shortstop to first base or something. And then their fathers would try to help out. You know, this is a volunteer league and everything like that. And then you'd watch the fathers throw and you'd say, wow, I can see why their mechanics aren't strong. Because they had never, but, but most, most, many Americans who end up playing, you know, they learn that their first teacher is, is a parent, an older sibling. Without that intergenerational transfer, does that make it harder or does it give an opportunity to really teach them the right way from the beginning? No, I think it's probably harder. But I mean, if you go to, the United, go to certain areas of the United States where young kids are learning, you, you watch five and six year olds where they're playing t-ball the first time and the way they their their throwing pattern is because the the mature movement patterns in young kids uh, are not very good either even in the United States so without a lot of repetition they don't get enough repetition you know they might practice once a week and they're not playing catch at home with their 
with their siblings or in the neighborhood, and so uh, they're just they're, there's not just not enough exposure overall, and, and plus they don't get to see the the television, the games that are televised, where the where the more efficient throwers are, are giving them a model to follow. Do they do any of these kids just develop a passion for it the way you know not all but some kids? And do you meet younger people there, or even older people who just come to you and say, you know, I love this game. Like, this has really grabbed me for that intangible reason that baseball can grab people. That's the thing that was most impressive, that the people that were playing as a group, not everybody, but the very high percentage were extremely passionate about playing baseball. They knew a lot about baseball. They had baseball cards. They wanted to know about players. But they were, they really, it was something that they really wanted to do. That was the thing that impressed me the most. Because there, there are a lot of young kids in the United States that get pushed into baseball, that they're just kind of out there checking the clouds out, and they're really not passionate. They're doing it because their folks want to do it. All these kids, or the majority, my impression was, my takeaway was that they really wanted to do this. They were really passionate about it. And um, so does, in, in Israel, when you're thinking about at the level of where you're managing now, which is this is a national team, they're in the, they're in the pool in play for the World Baseball Classic, you know, they have a good shot going forward. Is this something that ordinary folks, is there any excitement about this? And I remember I used to, when I was teaching several years ago, remember the Netherlands, I believe in 2009, had a great run in the World Baseball Classic? Right, they had beaten the Dominican Republic twice. Right, it was a big deal, right? Yes. So I watched those games, and I had several students from the Netherlands, and I was teaching the, the Monday after those games had happened, and I said to them, I said, wow, congratulations, that was a great game. And they looked at me like, they didn't, like, the soccer team wasn't, the football team wasn't playing. What, what are you talking about? I mean, is there is there any awareness um, there? Are people enthused? Do you get people, you know, to the, to the players? I mean, some of these players are, are from America, the United States, too. But, I mean, do you, do you, is there an awareness there? You know, I don't know because I'm not there. But one thing you need to remember that 90% of our players on this team are all U.S. players. We have one Israeli passported player. We have one player who is an Israeli, Shlomo Lippitz. But these are all American professional players that qualify because of their heritage to right. play on this team. Right. So it's not like it's not the most boys. Yeah, th- these aren't guys from from the from the hood in Tel Aviv. These are guys from from the United States. And so I uh, my my takeaway is that there probably is not a lot of front page above the fold news. Even on page page B three of the section. I, I don't know. I, I can't speak. But, but let me ask you about that, about the players. Um, do the players, I mean, these are a lot of Jewish Americans, I would assume, and are they, it's an opportunity to play, you know, at a, in a high-level international tournament, and some of these guys have big league experience. I mean, none of these guys are named, Nate Freeman, I guess. These are names that, that, you know, certainly many fans have heard of. But how, how do they see this? I mean, are they, in, in the bigger picture, this is, you know, to represent Israel in, in you know, the Jewish state in the World Baseball Classic. Is that something that's inside their heads a little bit? It is, and that's the thing that surprised me, especially some of the upper-level guys, uh, Ryan LaMarnway and Ike Davis and Josh Satin and, and Craig Breslow and guys who have been in the big leagues, that this, this is meaningful for them. I, I was surprised that, hey, I'm going to be ready for this thing. This is going to be great. You know, so the, the level of anticipation and the... And the uh, uh, their, their overall demeanor is very much positive towards this event. And, and, and what strikes me, just looking at, at the roster, and some of the guys you named, is that for a long time, you know, I mean, American Jews have 
loved baseball kind of since many of us came here. We, we have a deep passion for the game and, and have made really a great impact on the game in many respects. But on the playing, you know, it seems like in the last 20 years there's almost been an explosion of, of Jewish Americans who play at the big league level. And it's, it's I mean, it, that's, you know, this team is, is, the, is the result of that. It would be hard to, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have had as many high-level players, I would think. I think you're right. I, I just, uh, uh, I, I can't tell you exactly why. I don't, I don't know that it's by design. It just might be a, an anomaly, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of high-level Jewish players in the big leagues today with Danny Valencia and Sammy Fuld and Ryan Braun and, and Kinsler and guys like that. So since you since you named some of these stars at the big league level, and and I know I you know I don't if if I'm you know I don't want to ask a manager in round one of the playoffs who's going to pitch an opening game of game two of the playoffs round two of the playoffs so I don't want to you know if you don't feel comfortable but if if you get a pool play into the tournament do you anticipate adding some of those big players have those conversations begun is that rattling around the back of your head um, our focus right now is qualifying because we, we have a daunting test this is going to be a real challenge because uh, Brazil and, and Great Britain are significant obstacles in our way uh, so I'm, I'm not really thinking ahead so let me let me ask you a question then about about the pool play right so it's, it's Pakistan Brazil Great Britain and Israel right these are four different countries uh, you know four different corners of the map really um, four different histories cultures all of that. And, and it's very exciting if you're a baseball fan, if you're a pretty intense baseball fan. And I, I, have, I have tickets to the finals, so that's the one game I'll, I'll, I'll get to because it's on Sunday and I can go. And somebody wants to, somebody can make it. But it's, it's, these are countries that all four of them, what they share is that most people in their countries would be shocked to know they had a national baseball team. You know, I'm exaggerating perhaps, but I think we can safely say that. What do you think is the future of baseball internationally in some of these? countries that are not Japan, the Dominican Republic, you know, 20, 30 years down the line, you think baseball is building, not just in Israel, but as you, you know, you look at the other World Baseball Classic teams and look at their fan bases and look at, do you have a sense of that at all? Any thoughts on that? Uh, I don't have a tremendous sense of it, but I think that the World Baseball Classic, I'm sure one of the mission statements is to grow the game globally, and I think that, that we're seeing players from all over the world, South Africa, players in the big leagues, African players in the big leagues, uh, uh, Players, especially from uh, the Netherlands, you brought up the Netherlands before, and with Curacao and 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 uh, all the, the the players that they they have significant number of players in the big. Matter of fact, I think Curacao per capita has the highest number of professional players of any country in the world. Now, not big league players, but for a small country having significant number of professional players, minor league and big league players. Curacao's tiny. I mean, for those who aren't listening, 140,000 people. Yeah, I think I'm going there to speak at a clinic in, in November, as a matter of fact, with Bam Bam Mullins and, and some other people, and Steve Jansen, uh, the coach of the Dutch national team. And I, th- I, think, I want to say 190,000 people, and, uh, and they have more professional baseball players from that island than, 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 any, than any other country in the world. And, and, and Bam Bam Mullins, or Hansi Mullins, is an interesting case. Right? For the people who don't know, he's a hitting coach currently at the San Francisco Giants, who has a long... Um, history as a professional baseball, and and in some respects, he always has for years. He struck me as the face of it. This is a, he's from Curacao. He's played in the Dutch national team. He's played in Japan. One of his parents is is uh, Dominican. You know, he speaks about six languages. Um, this is a fascinating ambassador for the future uh, of the game. Well, I think that's a that's a snapshot of what 
the, the hope is that international baseball is going to be as long as you as you continue to grow the game and expose these these new nations to to the game. And how do you how do you get from here to there? I know we're far afield from Israel for a moment, but how do we get from here to there with some of these barriers with without this intergenerational you know change of, of, of baseball? Well, I mean, how did the United States become a soccer power? How did we become a soccer power? Well, they built it. They built it from the ground up. They built a tremendous youth league program. They had they built facilities, and and now we have two of the top international teams, especially our women's team, in in the world from from virtually nothing in a very short period of time. And they built a very broad foundation. And and one of the things specifically with Israel to build that foundation, they need funding, and they need funding from. The, the Israeli government, they need facilities, but they also need participation from uh, those those of us that are interested in the United States in growing baseball in Israel. So, in, in, in you, and in playing a big, uh, visible role in that, do you do you talk to folks here? Do you talk to people around baseball who might be interested? What is their response to that? Because, I mean, my many of my baseball fan friends, who have <coughs> many, not all, but some of the ones who are Jewish, they're excited about this. These are people not positioned to build a stadium in Tel Aviv, but, you know, they're excited about this team, and well, we need excitement, but we need some check writers too. No, it's but and, what the check writers say? You know, the, well, thus far they they haven't they haven't taken the cap off the pen, you know. And I talked and I and I sent emails out to all you know. There are a lot of Jewish agents out there, and all the Jewish agents have players, and the, the players donate money, and and I sent a number of emails out to a number of. Agents, not only Jewish agents, but all agents. You know, if you have any Jewish players that would be interested, this is a great cause. Blah blah blah. And I've gotten zero responses. Huh. I, I, that, I was shocked. I yeah, thought I thought I'd get one. We got right. zip. Nothing. Well, and 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 there's there's one kind of Israeli you know passport holder on this team, right? Correct. Dan Kramer. And and do you if if one of these Israeli kids makes it? Ten years from now, in the big leagues, does that change things in Israel, or just become some weird American thing? Does well, it still stay a weird American thing in Israel. Yeah, I would think it would have a significant impact uh, when you have a big time uh, player from Israel who is Israeli that is now a, a significant player in the game in in the United States. I mean, look what Yao Ming did to China in basketball. Well, look what Zaza Pachulia has done for basketball in Georgia, which is a smaller, more less, you know, it's comparable size to Israel. Uh-huh. People, you know, I, I was talking to a Georgia diplomat who wants to get a Warriors jersey now. Yeah, I'm not sure that the trickle-down effect in terms of revenue for the uh, Baseball Federation will be good, but certainly his his uh, likeness and his uh, jersey and stuff like that. Be, yeah, be, and you know, of course, MLB is a business too. They're trying to they're trying to generate revenue for for their brand, and and certainly that's important. But I think there's a trickle-down effect. Uh, and for the baseball federation as well. Looking at the pool play, what do you, what are your, how do you, how do you assess Israel's chances? This, this, by the way, will probably go up Thursday night, Friday morning of next week. So listeners will, have, you know, they'll be. Yeah, I think I think we have as good a chance as anybody. Uh, but there are a lot of unknowns in this. Uh, we've got some older players who uh, haven't been playing a lot recently, and uh, we don't know. You know what they're going to be like when they get here. We we don't know a whole lot about Great Britain and and Brazil. We know a little bit about the the affiliated players that play in the United States. So we have a uh, a young pro scout from 
the Astros, uh, Alex Jacobs, who's done a phenomenal job in helping us become prepared for the, the players. So we have fairly good, well, we have ex- extremely good scouting. But, you know, uh, you know it's baseball. Sure. Who knows? Right, anything can happen. And, and how long has, when, when has or will the team start playing together? How does that work in a tournament like this? Well, Your team. We're going to our first workout is tomorrow. To, tomorrow will be the we'll work out the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth up here in Hudson Valley. Then we'll then we'll have the twentieth and twenty first in Brooklyn on the field at Coney Island. And so, for all intents and purposes, we have very little workout time. It's not like uh, you know you really can prepare a team in five practices. That's yeah, a, that's a heavy lift. Right. You just have to keep it simple and, and ask them to do stuff that they can do and not try and, and not try and reinvent the wheel. Right. So so it's you play baseball and Yeah, you know, do 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 what you do what you do and we're not gonna change any behavior, we're not gonna improve anybody's breaking ball or right. or change anybody's swing or turn turn them into a base hit bunner when they're not. And have you had a chance to see every player on the team yet? I've I mean, had to play, not just me. Um I I haven't seen them most of them I haven't seen play Personally, I've seen videos. I've talked to them. Uh, I know, and that was one of the things we had a meeting this morning, going over our players, because you know it's more important what we do than what anybody else does. The enemy's always within, sure. and so we're more concerned with our guys and them being able to do what they're capable of doing. And and if that's good enough, you know, which is based on how the other guys play, then then it's good enough. If it's not, it isn't. And and, and so, as the manager. What's your coaching staff look like for this tournament? Oh, I've got, <laughs> I've got a superstar coaching staff. I got Jerry Naren, who's been a big league manager with Texas and Seattle. He's Jerry our third base coach. Also, one of the Yankee catchers. Right. He caught. Game. He was the Yankee catcher after Thurman Munson. Right. Right. A lot of New Yorkers who listen. To right. Uh, Tom Gamboa has been uh, in professional baseball for forty plus years. We're great friends so for or over fifty years. He was a third base coach for the Cubs. He coached. First base for Kansas City. As a matter of fact, he was uh, he managed in the New York Penn League in Coney Island for the for the Mets, and, uh, and then I've got uh, uh, Nate Fish, who was the national director of uh, baseball in Israel, and uh, Alon Leishman, who's a player from Israel, is going to be our bullpen coach, and then Andrew Lorraine, a Stanford grad who pitched in the big leagues, uh, works for Seattle in player development. And so we have a very capable have a, good, a good coaching staff. And then we have uh, a unique, uh, uh, our mental skills coach is uh, Justine Siegel, who's uh, is significant in, in women's baseball and in promoting uh, baseball for all. She's got a nonprofit organization and another really, really outstanding. She's, she's the smartest guy on her, smartest person on her staff. She's got a PhD. And, and you also have the opportunity, because you have a couple of Israeli coaches, are you thinking, I want to build some capacity here so that they, you know, expose these, these two coaches to, you know, big league quality play and managing and coaching, and maybe they can take some of that home. Is that part of the Absolutely. Too? Absolutely. We want to grow the game, and, and the way you grow the game is, is to put more information in their file cabinets and, and give them more options in developing players in Israel. Well, listen, I want to thank you for your... For your time, I know you're busy, and I know you've got players and a tournament to be thinking about. So, but if you have any concluding comments, but I do want to thank you for your time, and you know, best of luck in the tournament. No, I I got nothing to say. To, I'm talking to those check writers out there that are listening to your to this program or, or reading this blog, and and encouraging them to at least do a little research on on the, the value of donating some money so that they can grow the program in Israel. All right. Well, Jerry, thank you for your time. I appreciate Lincoln, it. Lincoln, my pleasure. That was Jerry Weinstein discussing baseball in Israel. I hope you enjoyed Painting the Corners, the podcast of baseball and international affairs. 
my name is Lincoln Mitchell. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Lincoln Mitchell. You can visit my website at www.lincolnmitchell.com. If you'd like to hear more of the podcast, you can get the, web, the podcast there on that website, or you can subscribe to it on Twitter or on iTunes. My most recent book, The Democracy Promotion Paradox, published by Brookings Press, is available at many online booksellers or at the Brookings website. If you want to read my writings on domestic politics, I blog on the Huffington Post.